Groovaholics. Welcome to the Rochester Groovecast podcast. Birthed by a love of music, we're all about culture. Don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee. If you gain value from this podcast, personally share it with a friend and explain your favorite part. Let's get groovy. Groovy. I feel like I gotta talk slow and sultry after that one. <laughs> uh, that was a, a rendition of Frank Sinatra's My Funny Valentine, really everyone's favorite, by Rochester favorite, Avis Reese. You guys know her as the keyboardist in Danielle Ponder's band, and she really is a gospel R&B rock star woman in the Rochester community, so you're really going to love this one. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Avis Reese. Welcome, everyone, to the Rochester Groovecast podcast, your top source for live local regional music interviews and events from Rochester, New York, and the surrounding area. I am your host, Ben Albert, and I am live with Avis Reese. Avis, as I said a second ago, I'm super happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. We're, we're going to dive deep. Avis has a, a mug of tea there, it looks like. So she's in yeah, relaxed I'm, and ready to go. I'm ready. This is, this is the ultimate sign that I'm, I'm here for this. 
And and that's what we're here to do. We're here to relax, you know, have some tea party conversation um, for the world to see. And uh, this is going to be fun for everyone, guys. Uh, if you don't know Avis Reese, you probably should roll out from under that rock because she is um, one of the superstars in Danielle Ponder's band. Um, she's been around the Rochester community playing music forever now. And I have a lot to learn from her in terms of being a touring musician, uh, playing music as a profession, playing live. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just really happy to have you here and I'm, I'm ready to dive deep. And I'm sure everybody at home is going to love this. Very cool. I'm, so, I'm ready. <laughs> so let's get started just from the farthest bird's eye view we can imagine. Uh-huh. What, why music? What got you into music in the first place? You could have been a doctor, a lawyer, you could have been anything you wanted, right? Um, what, what, yeah. I mean, are you a full-time musician? Do you have another job? And what brought you into music? And, and we just so passionate about it. Well, um, yeah, I'm currently a full-time musician. Um, and I grew up playing, but it was also um, never really something that I thought would be my actual career. Um, I wanted to be a counselor. So like I initially went to college to study psychology and then I was like, oh, this is, this is not working out. So I studied something else, graduated with a whole completely unrelated degree. Um, and then when I entered the workforce, I was working as a teacher's aide. So I spent um, most of my working life working with children. And then in 2015, I was um, getting ready to go on tour with Danielle, and we had to be gone for about two and a half weeks. And my job was like, actually, we're only going to give you five days off. So I was like, hmm, job or tour? So I left my job and uh, never, never went back to a, a day job since, since then. Well, congratulations on that. Uh, how'd you Thanks. meet? How'd you meet Danielle? You guys are a dynamic duo up there as always. Yeah. So we, um, actually, uh, we, Corey introduced us like maybe in 2012, something like that. Um, and Danielle, she just needed someone to accompany her for uh, a gig that she got hired for. And so, um, I played with her for that gig. And I thought it was like a one and done thing. And then she gets another call and she, you know, asked me to play that gig with her. And so I'm like, cool, I'll do that. And then that happened a few more times. And then she was like, I'm thinking about starting a band. And would you be interested in that? And so I'm like, yeah, sounds, sounds like fun. And um, prior to that, I had only been part of one band before and I really enjoyed that experience so I'm like I want to do it again and I just had no idea that it would turn into what it has turned into um which is you know pretty awesome so everything about how we were introduced was very like organic and just you know you know the universe just kind of put us together and then everything else that has come from it has been pretty dope so yeah, absolutely. Congratulations. And then, you know, the future only time will tell. I'm sure you guys are going to go on some more great big tours once the opportunity exists again to do that. 
Um, yeah. I, I don't want to digress from that um, immediately, but I forgot to, to reference that song we played in the intro here. Um, okay. what, was, what was that piano cover? And uh, tell us a little bit about it. So that was My Funny Valentine um, and just kind of my interpretation of it or my rendition. And um, that was really the first song that I posted on my social media of just me playing. Um, I had kind of prior to that just um, really shied away from kind of showcasing myself, I guess. Um, just because I didn't think it was anything special. Like, you know, some of the musicians that I follow do like all kinds of crazy tricks and, and all that. And so I was like, nobody want to hear my little rinky dink, you know, whatever. But it was something that I posted just to kind of conquer this fear and insecurity and, um, and just kind of also to have visibility because there's so few visible female musicians um, in Rochester, or, you know, just kind of in, in general. And the number of people who around that time were kind of coming to me saying, oh my God, I'm so glad to see you as a woman here in this space that's really male dominated. Um, I was like, okay, this is kind of the time to just be visible, whether, whether I, I think it's great or not, it's the visibility. So that's what this song um, was my kind of uh, way of easing into this kind of social media um, performance type of thing. Yeah, cool. It's great. And if anyone doesn't already know from the song and um, from a knowing Avis, she plays piano, keyboard. Um, she's a rock star woman in the scene. There's not enough women in the scene, but she's, you know, she's uh, rocking out for all the women out there. And yeah. Ultimately, um, you play in Danielle's band and uh, Danielle Ponder. It's just Danielle Ponder now. Have you guys dropped the Tomorrow People? We have. Okay. It's probably been dropped for about two years now, or a year and a half, two years, something like that. So Danielle Ponder, everybody knows that band. That You guys are great. Any other <laughs> projects you know, previously that you played uh, that, that kind of brought you into that role? What, what did the past look like? Um, so a few things, like I grew up playing in church, so that's kind of how I learned. And, um, my first kind of band experience though happened around 2010. Um, I joined a band with my friend Judah Seeley and, um, he's a phenomenal saxophonist. And so we did that project for about a year. And then around the time that that finished I was introduced to Cinnamon Jones who's a phenomenal singer and so I was playing with her for for a little while and um and then that's when I was introduced with um to Danielle so I was um doing kind of Cinnamon's thing and Danielle's thing at the same time early on and now I'll play with Cinnamon uh kind of on a case-by-case basis but that's like my musical mama right there but yeah that's kind of how we got started here yeah, you know, lots of good stuff. Lots of great. You know, there is a lot of great female vocalists and female musicians in the Rochester scene. Um, never enough. You're right, a male-dominated profession. Um, mm -hmm. But Rochester's got a lot of great talent. You know, Cinnamon, like you mentioned, Danielle, Zahaya, um, mm -hmm. and everyone else. You know, beautiful, beautiful women in the scene. 
Um, going back farther, so are are you born and raised Rochester, or where where are you from, and what brought you here? I am born and raised in Rochester. Cool, cool. And when uh, so you you played in the church when you mm-hmm. were younger. Is that a lot of where your roots and influence came from? Did you have any, you know, mentors or anybody you looked up to when you were younger that inspired you to play music? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty much where most of my, where all of my musical foundation is. Um, with the church, you know, you learn how to play by ear. You learn how to really follow singers I'm kind of on the fly. And so um, it really strengthened that part of me. Um, And just some of the uh, artists that I listened to, like in my house, we were pretty much only allowed to listen to gospel initially. I mean, we would sneak and listen to other stuff, but like Like, what my parents knew. (laughs) Like, well, what would you listen to on the side? (laughs) I mean, like, it was a mix. Like, you had, like, your typical 90s R&B, like, some, you know, Faith Evans and whoever else at the time. Um, and then, But I also, like, for whatever reason, was just fascinated with older music, too. So I really um, dug deep into Stevie Wonder. And in middle school, I kind of was introduced to the music of, like, Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong and... So I, you know, kind of dug deep into artists like that, which, you know, I guess my parents could, you know, be okay with because they weren't like too out there. But yeah, in terms of gospel, I mean, I had artists that I listened to like, um, you know, Walter Hawkins, Thomas Whitfield, Richard Smallwood, Andre Crouch, like their style. And they were all like pretty much pianists as well. And so their style of songwriting and playing, like I really, really studied them a lot, whether or not I, you know, always hit what they did, (laughs) you know, I don't know, (laughs) but like their style and their approach to songwriting and melody, um, I was just kind of always drawn to. And then in terms of mentors, you did ask me that, like my oldest sister, she is a musician and um, she's really the reason why I'm, I play like um, by the time I was born she was already in college so she was already <laughs> moved away but there was always like a picture of her sitting on our piano and I would just um, look at her and that picture of her was of her sitting at the same piano and I just was like I want to be like my my big sister and so I would just look at her photo and try and be like her and listen to old cassette tapes of her practicing mm. and try and practice the same things that, that she practiced. So she was my biggest, uh, my biggest mentor, I would say. Oh, that's great. And when it comes to emulating other great musicians, it, it's wild. You can never quite perfect it the way they do, but yeah. you can take a little bit of, you know, experience from all these different styles and kind of make it your own. Um, I I resonate with, you know, my, my brother in a sense was an inspiration for me in the fact, you know, he was three years older than me, but I was always trying to listen to music that was three years above where 
I quote unquote should have been when I was younger, you know, when Mm -hmm. people were listening to the Backstreet Boys, I was listening to something that someone in, you know, high school would listen to. So Uh uh, I can see how that influence in in families is a big thing. Um, That's great. Did you ever get to see your sister play live, anything like that? Or was it more from afar? You know, most of it was from afar. The the one thing that, you know, I'll probably always kind of cherish. She moved up to, she lives in Tallahassee, Florida. And so I remember one time I was probably a young teenager. I went down to stay with her um, for like a week or two in the summer. And she she's a church musician. And so I went to her rehearsals with her. And she was like, why don't you get on the piano and just, you know, play? And I was like, oh, cool. So, like, that moment was, like, really the first time I got to play with my sister. And then that Sunday came and we played at the service. Um, And so that was really kind of the first time where I saw her in her element. Um, Everything else, like, when she would come to visit um, here in Rochester, we had the piano at the house. And she would play that every now and then when she visited but this was like the first time I got to actually see her like where she actually does her thing every single week. And so that was, that was, you know, a good, good time for me. I I love hearing stories about, you know, someone, am I, I'm losing my throat. I'm losing uh, my voice here. One second. You need some tea. <laughs> I need the tea. I need the tea. You came prepared. I I just I love hearing stories about people finding inspiration for music in the church. You know, I I had Kara Fink, another great female musician, on the show just an episode ago, um, two episodes ago, and she's more on like the pop country side of things. You know, singer songwriter, and she got all her inspiration. You know, singing Christian music, and as someone who was raised Jewish where a lot of the songs in the temple are kind of just like kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I love seeing so many people getting inspiration to play music from uh, their church. Cause I remember when I was in temple, it was like the most boring music I had ever heard, but <laughs> I digress. I'm, I'm wondering, so going back to those times, you know, you were first learning, you're inspired by by your sister. Was there any other concerts or live performance, whether uh, you were in it or you got to see it, and that that was just inspiring to you, where, where you got to see an idol on the stage or maybe like a sister moment where you got to get on the stage and perform the first time? There, There's always those moments that give you the goosebumps, and you're like, yeah, I, I think I, I know where I'm going with this one, you know? You know, I can't say that there was a specific concert. I, I think uh, when you kind of grow up in a Pentecostal church, every Sunday is kind of that in some type of way. Um, and so I, I think I was just constantly surrounded by music and that just kind of fueled me. Um in that way um in terms of concerts like i think where it changed for me was really you know kind of this um idea of playing in church versus playing like out in public was um 
probably around that time um, when I joined Judah's band. It was just like to see people still very reactive and still moved um, by by the music that it didn't have to have this spiritual connotation with it. Um, those were big moments for me. Um, but yeah, there were, I don't have too many other ones with my sister though. Unfortunately, I might have to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, it's all led up today where you've played what probably hundreds of live shows and had plenty of those live moments at any location or crowd or maybe event just any any shows that come to mind as something that was real special to you it doesn't even have to be the largest show you've ever played but um, maybe the purpose behind the show or the location or or any of those things in your travels with music yeah um, yeah i think i have had a lot of those moments with with uh, danielle i think um one in particular was um, she did a visual show at uh, the Little Theater um, some years back. Um, and it was really a stripped down type of thing where it was really, um, really focused on the message. And, you know, people are sitting in these theater style seats and which was different for us because all of our concerts were, you know, at these venues where people are out dancing and so we didn't really know how, you know, people will react to having to sit down and just only listen and not get up and dance or whatever. Um, and having the songs be more mellow and not like upbeat. But like there was just an energy in that room. And there was like, I don't know, it was just like this moment where people, it just felt like a very united moment where they were hearing the message and they were feeling it. And um, it was really special. And so it was one of those moments where it was like, you know, I kind of got to see like, okay, it's not only about these outward reactions of dancing and all that other, other stuff. It's kind of the whole package of the intent behind the music. And, and, you know, if the delivery isn't, you know, dance, making sure that the, the delivery still lands um, in a way that people can receive it and not be bored or not be, you know? So that yeah. one, that one was a really, really special one. And I mean, there's, there's quite a few, there's, there's quite a few. Yeah. You guys toured Europe at least mm -hmm. once, right? Or did you go three, down there? Three, three times. Three, three tours of Europe. Uh, how many shows are you playing like every night when you're down there? So uh, the last one that we did in 2018, we had 20 shows. So we stayed for a month, uh, pretty much 20 shows, 10 days off, sprinkled in there. That was the longest one. The, the ones prior to that were, I think, 10 shows and eight shows maybe. Um, but that experience is definitely something that is amazing and we were supposed to be there in may and uh then all this happened so um i'm really anxious to get back and i don't know when that will be but it's something really really special about um playing in europe yeah they they loved you they they loved danielle they loved the band they did they were really and you know honestly the first time that we went 
we hadn't even had um, like an EP out or anything. Mm. It was just a few video clips on YouTube. Um, and, and so it's a lot different than here where, you know, at certain venues, if you don't know the, the artist by name, like people don't just come out of curiosity. Like there's definitely a familiarity thing that needs to happen in order to book these shows well. And so over there, we were kind of expecting the same thing. Like these people don't know us. So it's probably going to be like, you know, a few people sprinkled in here, but they showed up and they were hype and they were, you know, even with um, language barriers and even mm. with, you know, cultural barriers, right. they were there and they were very interactive and, you know, just, um, just warm and, you know, all just great. That's that's what I love to hear. It's amazing, right, how music is such a healing that it breaks through, you know, uh, mm -hmm. all cultures. It breaks through language barriers. And, um, yeah, it's good to hear that people in Europe like to come out and vibe out and have a good time because it, it can be tough as a musician, especially in a city like Rochester, which is incredible for music and culture and art, but it's small enough that, you know, if people don't know your name, they don't always come out to see you. Um, yeah. That's, that's uh, one of those tough truths with being a musician sometimes. Um, did you have any of those kind of speed bumps, whether it was a, uh, in Europe or on tour where you guys like practice, you're good to go, you're hype and you show up and there's like five people there. Does that ever happen? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> like I think, you know, a lot of people just hear tour and hear Europe and think that is, everything is good, but there were definitely some struggle shows. There was <laughs> like probably our worst show ever was in Paris. I want to say, um, and it was some little hole in the wall type of place. And <laughs> one, we should have known like from the jump that it was going to be a hot mess because there was no sound guy. And so they were like, no, you have to plug it all in yourself. And they were like, okay, we, we don't live here and we don't, okay, we'll figure it out. So we get everything set up and then it's showtime and there's 0.0, .0 people in there. Um, so like the way that this venue was divided, like the stage that we were on was in this one room. And then there was like a bar area over here and a lounge area, um, upstairs. And so like we had, um, some folks that actually came from out of town to see us. They finally got there and they were like the first three people in there. And then we went up to the lounge and grabbed like three more people like, Hey, you want to hear some music? Come on downstairs. And so there were probably like five people in there. <laughs> and Danielle's on stage. Like at one point she was just like, Hey, what's your name? What's your name? And so like for the rest of the show, she's like almost giving them their own little private thing. Like, right. all right, this one's for you, John. All right. Like <laughs> it was just, it was really like embarrassing, but also like, great at the same time like okay this is we we we're in paris and we're having this experience but it was it was it was definitely our worst show 
<laughs> Talk about a great example of taking a, a disaster moment and finding the silver lining, though, and still having a good time. You know, I, yeah. I, I, obviously, I don't know those people that were at the show, but for all we know, they're fans for life now. They loved it, and uh, everybody likes being appreciated. So it sounds like you guys really turned it around. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> Down in Paris, I mean, you, you guys had some days off. Did you have any, you know, opportunity to have some fun? Did you do anything crazy down there? Ooh, not crazy, but um, just really kind of having these days to enjoy the sights. Like this last time that we went, um, it was our first time uh, being in Spain, actually. And so there were a few different cities in Spain mm. that we had shows in. And I think we had one or two down days in Madrid and like, it was just so beautiful. Like it was so beautiful. And there was this one market that we went to. It was like an indoor market and it just had everything. And so we just went around this space, like getting food from all of these different stations and just like, just being greedy. Like it was just, at some point, just greedy. Like, we're not hungry. We're just, <laughs> we just, we just want to try all this stuff. And so it was just, it was just like so dope though. Like everything just felt, felt different. And whether that's in our imagination that it actually feels different or not, it felt different, you know? Like, so that was, that was good. Yeah. It sounds like a special moment. It sounds like a, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's cool. I'm I'm happy for you guys. Let's imagine, you know, we're in a non-COVID world because right now we got to take repercussions. But let's let's imagine we're in a non-COVID world. If you could tour anywhere, is there any you know bucket bucket list locations that you'd love to play a show? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. There were a couple that were on the list. We were supposed to be playing in Switzerland for the first time and in um, Portugal for the first time. Mm -hmm. And those were ones that we really, really wanted to do. And so we got it for the first time. We finally got a booking. And so those would be two. Um, I actually have a few U.S. spots, too. Like, I, I really want a gig in California. I really want to do a show in Austin, Texas. Red Rocks. Like, you know, so... There's definitely some some places that are bucket list places that I, I feel like they can and will happen. Absolutely. Hey, if you if you believe it and you can see it, you'll make it happen, right? Yeah, definitely. And you know, it's you guys are really good. It's not like you're starting from, you know, it it I think you guys can make it work. I think you guys can make it work. I wouldn't, oh, I, I wouldn't say that to everybody, but, you know, Danielle Ponder, her band, you guys are, you know, one of the, the staples in Rochester. You got Danielle's right on, uh, what is that wall at, at MLK Park? Is there a, yes. a, a term for that mural? That, uh, I just say MLK at MLK Park, yeah. It's, it's a mural with um, Danielle, mm -hmm. Michaela Davis, and uh, who, who else is on it? Do you remember? And, um uh moses rockwell oh yeah mm -hmm. beautiful mural beautiful mural and yeah. i i want to listen to a track by you 
And okay. um, you sent this over blue. This was from the the Rochester resident. Uh, <laughs> the Rochester resident. You can tell I had a long day, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I've been running all over the place. Um, Ava had so Three Heads Brewery was doing a residency where a musician would basically take over a day a week for an entire month. So Avis was, you know, the special guest. And uh, let's talk a little bit about your residency and kind of set this song up. So what what did you do for your weeks for the Rochester residency? What, what was your themes? Uh, did you cover any albums? How did that go for you? Uh, so little backstory about it. I initially was not going to do the residency. Uh, Jeff Dale asked me several times and I told him no several times. Like, I was just like, no, like, (laughs) it's not for me. Um, One, just because I, I've never done anything like that. Like I'm very, I'm very comfortable being a support person. And so like this idea of me like being the front person it just didn't sit, sit well with me. And so he was like, you know, just let me explain. Like you don't really have to be up front. Um, you can have whoever else you want. Like you can orchestrate everything else and you be behind a curtain if you want. And I'm like, all right. So I agreed to do it. I chose February and um, I... I did, my themes were uh, 90s week, a 90s house party, um, 70s throwback, the B-sides, and the B-sides was basically like all those deep cuts on the album, like the the non-singles. And then the fourth week was a tribute to gospel. And I kind of chose all of those um, because most of them are my musical foundation um, or just music that I'm very passionate about, like the B-sides. I feel like when I was really growing up learning songs, I wasn't really learning the singles. Like I was learning these random songs that I just fell in love with on the albums. And, you know, I use the illustration. You have an artist like Stevie Wonder who has released 90 plus album or has had 90 plus singles and we always cover the same like 10 or 12 and that's just the singles like you know and so i'm like all those deep cuts that i I fell in love with like i think those deserve attention too um and so the song that is about to play is from that week in particular the b-sides week um and so the song is called blue by beyonce and i have joy little singing the lead and um yeah i'm excited for it Let's listen to Blue by Beyonce from the B-Sides. Say words that don't mean 
Rochester Groovecast podcast. Head over to Facebook, like Rochester Groovecast, and mark our page as C first to keep in touch with everything new. Now back to the show. Yeah, that was that was a beautiful song. That that was a great rendition of of it as well. Oh my God! Thank oh, you. Yeah. Don't even know what to say. I you had sent it over. I hadn't actually listened to it yet. Sometimes I like to save it for the live, the uh-huh. live experience, so I get to experience it with everybody else. Um, I I like to check into the Facebook lives, all the love porn, and people people are excited to see you up here, Avis. <laughs> 
Hey, y'all. <laughs> and uh, I want to, you know, tell everybody at home, thanks for coming in. As always, this is going to be released as an audio uh, in a few days. So you'll be able to listen anywhere. Um, and, you know, we appreciate you coming to the Facebook Live because we have our own, you know, audience while we record this. But if you're listening to this as a podcast, we love you just as much. But listen, coming to the Facebook Lives, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, Avis, if you could go back and do a second residency, I know the first was already kind of a, a undertaken in itself. It sounds like Jeff kind of roped you in. Would <laughs> Is there any other artists that you'd love to tribute? Anybody that, uh, that you didn't touch on that you love? Yeah, I, I actually would do it again. Like, it was a lot of work. But it was like it was actually really gratifying um, in in a lot of different ways that I wasn't expecting. So I would do it again. I think I would probably do if I chose one artist. Um, I would love to do a Tina Turner tribute. Mm -hmm. That would be fun. Um, I might. I would love to do an Earth, Wind, and Fire tribute. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I think uh, if I had to uh, choose, like, a group or, or people, I would do that. But I kind of liked not being limited to just, like, one album or one artist or whatever. And so I would try and find another uh, way to do that. I, I probably would repeat some of the themes, but just use different songs. Like, I would probably repeat 70s Week. And just there's so many songs to choose from. And I think I would probably would repeat B-Sides Week. Um, there's like a ton that I wanted to do that just I di didn't do because of time. Um, so, yeah, when when that time comes out, I'll, I'll think of something fresh, though. Yeah, no, those those are obviously topics that there's an endless catalog of great music that you could dive into. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one thing I love about those Rochester residencies is all the collaborations that happen, you know, musicians from so many different bands coming together for these one-time shows. A any any favorite collaborations that you've done in the past? Any that stick out to you as you're like, dang, I, I really had fun playing with those people. Ooh. Um, you know, some of my favorite people to play with um, – there's a group called Band in Public. And so you have Brother Wilson on guitar, um, Marv Parker on bass. And um, at the time, Marv's brother was the drummer. Um, like, they're, they're just sweethearts. And they're like, you know, guys who've been playing on the scene um, for such a long time, and they really have it locked with funk and, and, and soul. And also playing with like Bruce Pitts and uh, Deepak that too and Mark Terranova, like those those guys. And I just say them because like at this point I don't get to play with them that often. And so if if there's ever like a moment where I can just kind of go back and like okay I can do a gig with that that group, like it'll be great. And then like of course I play currently and in the past with a ton of phenomenal musicians. Um, but those those guys are special. Those guys are very special. Yeah, 
Now we look forward to a collaboration with them to come soon. Yeah. Yeah, I know this is a hard answer, and I, I know it's tough because of all the great musicians you've referenced tonight. Um, mm -hmm. But in terms of collaborations, like if you could go back in time and, and you know, back any lead singer, back any band and be part of a group, any any that stick out to you as, you know, something that specifically Avis would love to do? Oh, you're coming, you're coming with the good ones. You're coming <laughs> with the good ones. <laughs> um, I think... The the rock the inner rock star part of me would love to have played for like Michael Jackson or Tina Turner, even though Tina's still here, but she doesn't tour anymore. Um, like those would be like great. Um, the more chill part of me that likes to do, you know, loves ballads and things like that. Um, it would have been Nancy Wilson or Ella Fitzgerald. I think like those two, those two women are just amazing. Like that. And I think uh, we'll do, we'll do an honorable mention. Uh, I'll, I'll throw in, I'll throw in Aretha just because it's just like, mm. I feel like every single show with her would be like, like my face would just melt. Like that would be pretty dope. Incredible list. Incredible list. I'd love to be at every one of those shows in the audience watching y'all up there. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously you've gotten your your musical passion from a ton of incredible influences from the past that have really shaped music as a whole. I mean, everyone we're talking about, they're, they're legends in music. Um did you learn just emulating them or are you self-taught or, uh, or did you kind of take lessons? I'm self-taught. Um, so like, we had a piano in our house and we will all kind of tinker on it or whatever. And for some reason it just stuck. Um, and, and so I think, I think I always did try and emulate different artists um like I just remember sitting with a cassette uh player next to my piano and like listening for the voicings that they use and like just mm -hmm. constantly rewinding rewinding until I like got all the notes um and sometimes some things were so much easier and other things like I really had to work at um and so I do feel like there were those artists, like, like I said, it was mostly gospel, gospel artists. And um, so it was like the Walter Hawkins and Thomas Whitfield, like the stuff that they did. It's just, I really like, I tried to, to get it as close as possible to, to their version. And I think as I got older, I started to learn how to, um, trust my own interpretation and not have to stick uh, so closely to their exact chords or whatever mm -hmm. and just kind of insert my own style in, into it, which is something I'm still learning, I feel like. Yeah, you got to make it your own. You got to bring your personality, your style, your life into it. And yeah. uh, it, I don't think we're ever going to perfect it. Mm -hmm. It's a It's an ongoing process. <laughs> Um, 
Well, great. Um, I, I've got one one more like deep question because I'm always curious about this, and and I think that everybody has a lot to learn from all your experiences growing into the musician you are today. You know, there was that time when you were first learning how to play piano and kind of emulating these people and uh, kind of learning from scratch. If someone's a young musician or they can be an adult or a child, but, but they're just starting to get into music. Do you have any words of wisdom or just simple advice for someone getting started that uh, ultimately rather than falling on their face a hundred times, anything that you could tell them that would speed up the process and uh, really get them excited to play? Um, I don't know if it speeds up the process mm. because I do think, you know, and I can only speak specifically for piano. Like it is, is there's a, there's definitely a learning curve. So I think there's some things that will come naturally and I think that's the initial spark that people feel like, hey, I learned like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. I'm going to try, uh, you know, Pocket Bell's Cannon X, like whatever the thing. And it's just like, oh, that wasn't nearly as easy. And then people mm -hmm. quit. And I think my biggest advice would be to, you know, to really sit and be patient with yourself and give yourself space to be frustrated and, you know, aggravated with, with all of it but then come back like, you know, I, cause that's, I don't know if that stops. Like it hasn't stopped for me. Like there's still stuff that I struggle um, learning how to play. Um, not specifically songs, but like methods. Like I, I struggle with um, like single note stuff. Like I can do chords all day, but tell me to do like a single run or whatever. And I'm just like, bloop, 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 bloop. So like, so that's still something that I work on and I can spend hours practicing and, you know, my hands are cramp cramping up and like, I'm want to throw my keyboard out the window. Um, but then I take a break and I come back to it because like, I love it. Like it's, it's, you know, it's so, it's a relationship that is worth that fight, you know? Mm. And so it's there, you know, that's probably not what people starting out want to hear. Like, right. I think people starting out want to hear, oh, yeah, if you just do this, it'll like fast track it. And I just haven't found that to be true. Like, I think the beginning just kind of sucks. Like, you know, it's kind of like working out. Like in the beginning, you're not going to see the muscles, mm -hmm. but like you still do it. And then once you do start seeing that first muscle, you're like, okay, then I'm going to do it some more, <laughs> you know? So I think it's kind of the same with, with playing. You just got to really work at it and you do it because you love it. Like if you don't love it, then why, why punish yourself? Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I always joke, you know, people don't want to work out. They just want a six pack. Well, yeah. it requires working out. So what, what I'm hearing <laughs> is there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, it, it might be tough at first, but if you, if you put the time into it, it's worth it in the long run, right? Yeah. That's great. Um, cool. Well, what are you excited for? What's what's coming up? Well, what's new? Uh, any any shows, streams, albums, anything uh, in the near future that you've been working on? Um, we do have a, a show coming up next Thursday, I want to say, or next Wednesday. Um. And I really should have had that name 
It's the uh, cynical women's. Mm. Um, basically, it's the the. Uh, I'm gonna say the wrong the wrong thing. So I'm just gonna say we have a show okay. next Wednesday, and um, that one is uh, actually a duo show. So it'll just be Danielle and I. Um, and I think it's at a drive-in theater. So I think mm. everyone will be in their cars and we'll be doing our thing. Um, so that's coming mm. up. And I think we have another show coming up in September that will be local. But um, I think those details are being worked out right now. So I don't want to like put it out there, but mm. September should happen. Um, so that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to those moments because live shows are so few and far between right now. And so these moments do feel a little more special, you know, mm. and I kind of get my, my fix in that, you know, kind of spread out in that way. Um, so yeah. And, um, yeah, that's, that's what's coming up in terms of shows. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And we, everybody looks forward to seeing you guys play more with the understanding that we're, we're living in a crazy world right now. All we can do is be safe, love each other, take care of each other. But, but it is special seeing a a live show now. I, I saw something today though, that they're, they're going to ban live music. Did you see that? I saw that. And I like, so I was doing a little bit of reading on that Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of get the the details and it, it, the logic behind it is something I don't understand. Like, it's like, it's, it's the advertisement of shows. That's now not okay. It's the selling of tickets of shows. That's now not okay. But if you are at a restaurant and I just happen to walk in with my keyboard, like that's okay. Like it, so it was like this, uh, this whole thing of like people can't know that live music is going to be there and they can't pay for it, which I, I really need to get more clarification on that because I don't really see how that if, if, if the reason behind it is COVID, then I don't see what the health concern is with mm. selling tickets. Like, and so it just is another way that we can't make money now. Um, and so it's, it's very frustrating and I don't, I don't know what, what is to come of that, how long that's going to last. Um, and even just the prospect of doing shows out of town, like for, for other states and cities that are now doing live music, you know, most of those states are on this list that when we come back home, we will have to quarantine for two weeks. And so it doesn't really make sense to do kind of these one-off shows. It's like, Mm. you know, in, you know, Ohio, just to be quarantined for two weeks when we come back. So the prospect is looking really kind of grim right now. Um, and I just, I don't know, I don't know how to plan around it. I don't know how to feel about it because I feel like every day there's something new kind of being thrown, thrown at us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a grim prospect. It's a, a bleak reality right now for musicians. That's why I, I tell people all the time, you need to continue supporting music. You got to continue supporting the creatives that are ultimately 
their job is to make people happy and be creative. So if you stop supporting those people, what's going to happen to the world? So uh, how, what's the easiest ways uh, for people to keep in touch with you and, and Danielle Ponder? What's the best ways to follow you, keep in touch and support? Um, all of our social media. So you can find Danielle on Instagram at Danielle Ponder Music. You can follow her Facebook page, Danielle Ponder. Um, she's on Twitter too. Don't know the handle for that. Um, and you can follow me on Facebook or on Instagram, just uh, by my name, Avis Reese. Um, and, uh, that's probably the, the best way. Awesome. Awesome. And actually do that guys. It, you should do it right now. Yes, please do. Just do it right now. It's that simple. Um, it's, it's small actions that create, you know, a big change. And the first thing you can do is follow, like share. And anytime there is an opportunity to support financially, or even just physically put in your body there at a show, um, it, it's all great. It's all good. Yeah. I, I, I have one last question. I ask everybody this question cause I, I love the variety of answers, I get, and you know, there is no wrong answers. Um, mm -hmm. Let's say there was a billboard on the side of the road, a very busy area. And let's just for the imagination, assume that all genders, all races, all ages, you know, all kinds of people, education, everything, everybody's going to see this billboard. And, you know, you can put it up as a sponsorship if you want to sponsor your band. I've had a few bands do that as well. But ultimately, you get to control that billboard, you know, with a, a message, a photo, uh, a quote, anything mm -hmm. you like. Is there anything that kind of comes to mind right away as uh, something you'd put on that billboard? And, you know, why would you choose what you would choose? You know, it's funny. I saw that question yesterday and I had an answer. But now that you said people could like promote their band or promote anything, I'm like, that didn't even cross my mind. Like I went so deep with it. <laughs> I'm like, huh, <laughs> right? maybe I've changed my answer. But no, I'll stick with what my original answer was. Um, I think uh, I would say if you lead with compassion, everything else will figure itself out. Um, I feel like we're in this space where it's just like so chaotic and people are so, um, focused on making their own personal opinions heard and really pointing the finger and saying you're wrong or, you know, whatever, or this is not okay. And I think if people would just lead with compassion and really kind of realize that certain things have nothing to do with you. They don't affect you. And so you can save that energy and live your life and let other people live their lives and things would be a lot better. So I think that's, that's, that's what I would say. I love it. If you lead with compassion, everything will figure itself out. Yeah. Wise words. I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, this has been fun. This has been awesome. I, I wish you the best. If that show's happening with you and Danielle, um, I'll be there. Everyone should be there. And if it doesn't because of this stupid COVID thing getting out of hand, um, right. 
you really need to, if you're not following Danielle Avis, if you're not supporting, if you're not buying the albums, I don't know what you're doing. So you should do that. And uh, yeah, I mean, thanks again, Avis, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed myself. That was fun. That was great. Thank you, as always, for listening. We will pass it over to Avis for one last final piano track, an original, Loss of Meaning by Avis Reese. Y'all have a good one, and I'll talk to you soon. listening to the rochester groovecast podcast don't forget to subscribe and remember the fee share this with a friend and tell them exactly why they should listen and don't forget to keep it groovy baby